0: On Radio One 91 FM. koto itene ahi ahi. These are your Radio One Te Reo Irarangi Kotahi 91 FM news headlines for Taite Rua a Marama Ono, Coquinten Tene. Public transport is too slow and too unreliable, say staff and students at the University of Otago. The Otago University Students Association political representative Mari Mackenzie Everett said in their submission to the Otago Regional Council's draft regional public transport plan that students were repeatedly pointing out issues in regards to the frequency of buses, inadequate routes for students, a lack of late night buses and the lack of student concession fares. Currently, bus fares in Ōtipoti are a flat rate of $2 per trip, regardless of how far is travelled or the time spent travelling. This is the equivalent of $20 per week in trips to and from the university for a student who buses every weekday. OUSA surveyed 683 students prior to their submission, asking their thoughts on the bus service. Of those surveyed, 515 said the bus service was not fit for their use. In their submission, the University of Otago's comments echoed those of OUSA, with Strategic Resource Manager Kevin Wood saying that the main feedback from staff and students was that public transport was too slow and unreliable. Due to the lack of buses going directly to campus, students would have to walk a kilometre from the bus interchange in Great King Street by countdown to the university, a journey that Google Maps says will take 13 minutes to get to the Central Library. Dunedin city councillors just voted as a part of the Urban Cycleways upgrade to develop Albany Street. In this upgrade, alongside the Cycleways, the Dunedin City Council is planning to put in a Bus Superstop, which is effectively a mini-bus hub just outside the Clubs and Societies building. This is in conjunction with the Otago Regional Council. These upgrades would also see a pedestrian crossing put in on Albany Street. When discussing the urban cycleways upgrade, Councillor Jim O'Malley responded to criticisms that cycleways increase congestion. The idea that cycleways are causing congestion, Thomas Burns Drive does not have a cycleway on it. Portsman's Drive does not have a cycleway on it, it has one next to it. The cycleways are even on the one-way system where it took out parking, they didn't take out lanes. And the Southern Motorway does not have cycleways on it at all, and yet all of those areas are showing massive congestion during the rush hour now. To blame cycleways for growth and use of the transit system is just to simply head off in the wrong direction because you want to believe in something because you don't want to face the reality in front of you. Alongside this, councillors voted to introduce a bus priority lane into Princes Street. This lane would include GPS coordination of lights with buses to improve their traffic flow. Lockdown continues in Melbourne for the eighth day after its extension yesterday for a further week, resulting from increasing community case numbers of COVID-19. Restrictions of the lockdown will be eased in rural areas of the state of Victoria from today, while Melbourne City will remain in a full lockdown. Melbourne had recorded 67 cases of the virus in the community as of yesterday. An announcement on the pause travel bubble will be made today. In a statement yesterday, Associate Minister of Health Dr Aisha Varal said that at this stage they have no plans or arrangements to bring people back to New Zealand, and that if necessary, a travel bubble pause extension would be announced. Director General of Health Dr Ashley Bloomfield said yesterday that the government is looking at options on how to return Kiwis once Melbourne lockdown ends, including using MIQ facilities and self-isolation. Many countries that had been successful in managing the pandemic, such as Vietnam and Taiwan, are now struggling with new resurgences of the virus also. Vietnam has had 4,630 new infections since May 1st, nearly twice the number of total infections they'd had since the start of the pandemic. Resulting from this, the Vietnamese government has announced that they will be testing every single one of the 9 million residents of the capital, Ho Chi Minh City. A new survey has shown that a growing number of New Zealanders plan to get the COVID-19 vaccine. The survey, run by One News in conjunction with Colmar Brunton, found that 56% of New Zealanders either have had or will definitely get the COVID-19 vaccine. This number is up 12% from when the same survey was run in September last year. Overall, more than three quarters of those who responded to the survey said that they are likely to get the vaccination, and only 7% said that they definitely won't get the vaccine. This is down 3% from last year. To date, New Zealand has administered over 668,000 doses of the vaccine, with over 236,000 people fully vaccinated. Today is the last day to vote in the OUSA referendum. The referendum gives students the opportunity to directly submit on what they want OUSA to do, and to guide OUSA to act in a way that best represents the U. There are 11 questions in the referendum for students to submit on, including constitutional amendments for OUSA, and guidance on what OUSA should lobby both local and national governments on, such as the winter energy payment for students, or student loan policy. To vote, head to voting.ousa.org.nz and enter your student ID and birthday. Voting closes at 4pm. That was the news the radio one news presents today in history every weekday we're bringing you a knowledge blast from the past and covering an historical event right here on the radio one news originally when planning this piece i'd planned to do it on the crash of the soviet tu-144 supersonic aircraft at the paris air show on this day in 1973 after supposedly a French fighter jet got in the way of the aircraft while trying to secretly photograph it. However, there is a much more significant piece of local history that I believe deserves acknowledgement. On this day in 1869, Otago University was officially founded. The University of Otago was the first university in New Zealand and the third in Australasia behind Sydney and Melbourne. The first chancellor of Otago University, Thomas Burns, died before the university had even officially opened to students. The university had only three professors at the time, and offered courses in classics and English language and literature, mathematics and natural philosophy, and mental and moral philosophy and political economy. The university received more funding in 1872, allowing for the expansion of courses, and in 1875, courses began in medicine. Lectures in mining were given from 1872, and in 1878, a School of Mines was established. The university was originally housed in a building on the site of John Whitcliffe House in Princes Street but moved to its present site with the completion of northern parts of the clock tower and geology buildings in 1878 and 1879. Happy 152nd birthday, Otago. Now for the weather. The Radio 191 FM weather. 15 degrees today with no cloud, fine throughout the day, and light winds from the north, dropping to 6 degrees overnight. That's the weather here on Te Reo Irenangi Kotahi 91FM.